Well, what's good, ARC family and friends? I pray you're all doing well this morning. Um, I'm excited to bring God's word this morning. Um, I'm humbled to preach God's word uh, this morning. Hey, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Joshua Rolak, and I am married to my lovely bride, Jessica Rolak, and we have one amazing son named LJ, which stands for Little Josh. Um, and also, by God's grace, I am the pastor of Congress Heights Community Church, uh, which is a new church plant coming to the Congress Heights area, being launched out of ARC this April. And so we praise God for the work that he has begun. Uh, we praise God for the work that he will continue and bring about to completion by his grace. Well, Pastor T uh, wrapped up an amazing series um, last Sunday on the five hymns, our five objectives as a church. Um, and then by God's grace, this morning, I get to start a new sermon series in the book of Jonah uh, entitled The Gospel According to Jonah. And so uh, that title is, is, is just what it is, a title. We already know that there are four gospel accounts um, eyewitness accounts um, about the Lord Jesus's life, his, his death, his burial and resurrection. Uh, but the title really points to a reality that right jam-packed in the book of Jonah, we see uh, the gospel displayed. We see the tenets of the gospel uh, in uh, the book of Jonah. And so we see God being the creator uh, we see the fall of man. We see the redemption of the Lord. Um, and then we also see the response of the people in repentance and, and faith. And so I'm excited to dig into this book this morning. And so if you haven't already, go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 16 in our time this morning. And as you turn there, let me, let me offer a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this morning, um, and we praise you for all of the songs that have been sung to your name, all of the prayers that have been prayed to you this morning. And now it's time to turn to your word. And so God, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word, and that your word um, would uh, be, uh, yeah, lifted high in this time, and that uh, we would seek to listen, to have uh, intent ears and hearts as we seek to hear from you. So God, would you speak to us this morning from the book of Jonah chapter one? Would you encourage us? Would you convict us? Would you, um, yeah, Lord, uh, would you do all that you desire to do in this time this morning? And may it be pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jonah chapter one, starting at verse one says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it 
to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and made vows. Well, if you're taking notes this morning, uh, if I had to summarize the main idea of this passage, it would be this. Jonah disobeys the Lord, and as a result, the Lord responds with his wrath. Jonah disobeys the Lord, and as a result, the Lord responds with his wrath. And I just have three points for us this morning during our time. And so the first point is this. Point number one says, Jonah disobeys the Lord's word. And we'll see that from verses one through three. Point number two is this. The Lord responds with his wrath. And we'll see that from verses four through six. And then point number three, the Lord is revealed, feared, and worshiped. And we'll see that from verses seven through 16. So point number one, Jonah disobeys the Lord's word. Point number two, the Lord responds with his wrath. And then point number three, the Lord is revealed, feared, and worshiped. So just a little background on the book of Jonah is this, is that Jonah was a minor prophet. And in being a minor prophet, it just means that uh, the book in and of itself is, is um, in length, not as um, big as the other prophets. And so uh, minor just means brief in this book, not significance or content. Uh, for example, 
Isaiah is the major prophet. He's a major prophet, and uh, his book is much longer in length. And then also Jonah is a prophet, which means he spoke the truth of God, which came from God, as we see in verse 1 of Jonah chapter 1. And so he's a prophet. He receives the word of the Lord, and then he conveys the word of the Lord to the Lord's people. And then uh, the author of the book of Jonah is unknown, but we, we do see from reading the book that um, it's, uh, yeah, about Jonah and his time fulfilling um, his role as a prophet into the Lord, but the author of the book is unknown. And then lastly, we trace the first mention of Jonah back to 2 Kings chapter 14, verses 23 to 25. And so let me read that for us now. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, which he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath Ephraim. So one scholar in commenting on 2 Kings 14, 23 through 25 says this. He says, by the time of this story, the book of Jonah, Jonah already had answered the prophetic call. He already is preaching to Israel. And so the narrative in 2 Kings 14 shows that Jonah preached the word of the Lord to Jeroboam, who was a wicked king in Israel. So when we come to verse 1 of Jonah chapter 1, Jonah had already been walking with the Lord already for some time, and he had been fulfilling his role as a prophet. This is significant because of what transpires later in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 1. So point number 1, Jonah disobeys the Lord's word. Look back with me at verse 1, and it reads, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. So notice that the chapter doesn't start out speaking about Jonah. It starts off with something better, the, the word of the Lord. It starts off with uh, the Lord. And so the, the name Lord in all caps here is referring to Yahweh, which is God's personal name. That's revealed to Moses in Exodus 3, verses 14 to 15. You remember the story? Uh, Moses is commissioned by God to proclaim him to the people of Israel. And Moses is like, well, when I go uh, and the people ask me who sent me, uh, what name should I tell them? And here's what God says to tell them. Look at verse 14. It says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, lest I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So you see that in verse 15, uh, the Lord here uh, is the same Lord that we see in chapter one here. And so 
the same Lord that called Moses, that commissioned Moses to proclaim him to the people of Israel is the same Lord that is commanding and commissioning Jonah to go and proclaim him. Also, as you see in the text, uh, this is Yahweh's word it, that comes to Jonah, uh, which is typical for the prophets. And so it was the Lord's word and not Jonah's word. And it was Jonah's role as a prophet to only proclaim Yahweh's word and not his own. So he didn't come proclaiming his word to the people. He came proclaiming the word that came from the Lord, as we see here in verse one. So what's the word that is supposed to come from uh, the Lord to Jonah that he is to share? Well, we find that in verse two. And so what does it say? Verse two says this, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. So what's going on here? Um, and where is Nineveh? And, and why is Nineveh considered such a great city? Well, Brian Estelle, in commenting on the city of Nineveh, he says this, God commands Jonah to go to the great ancient city of Nineveh. This city was one of the greatest in the ancient world, located about 600 miles northeast of Israel. It endured for over a thousand years. Nineveh was huge by ancient standards. And commenting further, Brian lets us know this about the city of Nineveh that the city was located in what is now Northern Iraq. And so modern day uh, Nineveh is Northern Iraq. What we also learn about Nineveh is that the people there were Gentiles, meaning non-Jews. So this was God's command to Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach a message to the Gentiles of judgment because he was about to destroy them because of their sin. That's what we see here in verse two, as it says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And so here's how Eric Redmond puts it. He says, God's command to Jonah seems simple. Go to Nineveh and do just what you did in Israel in the court of King Amaziah. Preach the words God gives you. However, on this assignment, Jonah would not be preaching to people familiar with God and his law. He would be preaching to the Gentiles, to non-Jews. He would be preaching to the most powerful nation in the known world, a nation who had also been an enemy and a threat to Israel for many years. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And so this was, this was what God called Jonah to do, to go to Nineveh to preach a message of judgment. And so what does Jonah do? He disobeys. Jonah disobeys. And that's the point of this, this part right here, these verses, verses one through three, is that he disobeys the Lord's word. Look back at verse three. It says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So we see Jonah is running from God. He runs from God. He goes to Joppa, which is a port city where you could take a ship from. He hops on the ship to Tarshish. 
uh, and the, the location of Tarshish is, is widely debated, but we can all agree <laughs> that Tarshish is not where the Lord uh, told Jonah to go. But look at what extent um, Jonah disobeyed. He disobeys the Lord's word. He runs away and hops on a ship. He even paid his own fare <laughs> and ultimately tries to, as the text says twice, get away from the presence of the Lord. Notice now that rebellion of God and his word has led to complete rejection. So he rebels against the Lord's word. And notice now that he is completely outright rejecting God, trying to get away from him, get away from his presence. And so isn't this what disobedience does, family? Um, isn't this what di disobedience to God does to us? Um, in rebelling and rejecting him? To disobey God is a serious matter. And it's as old as our first parents, Adam and Eve, and their disobedience to God. I know we read this earlier in the service, but look at Adam and Eve's response to their sin in Genesis. It says in Genesis 3 verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So, so notice where disobedience leads to. It leads to a hiding and a rejecting of God's presence. Um, and, and, and this is what Jonah is doing. As he's running from the Lord, as he's disobeyed the Lord and his word, uh, even to the point now where he's rebelled and now he is outright rejecting God by trying to get away from his presence. So what about you this morning, believer? Are you disobeying God in every area of your life? You see, we, we all have the Jonas syndrome more than we think we might. The Lord gives us a clear command, like go share his word, go share the gospel with people, and we disobey him. And this is a command from God to go, just like Jonah, to go and share, to go and proclaim him. And when we don't, we are disobeying Yahweh, God of heaven, creator and maker of all things. We are disobeying him. And so I wanna encourage you, and it might be other ways that you're disobeying him, but don't delay any longer. Don't run from the Lord's call for you to share his truth with people. And if there are other ways that you are disobeying the Lord, stop. Obey him. And, and seek to please him with your life. That's what he desires. He desires obedience. He desires faith in him, trust, and a life that's devoted to him. And if you're here this morning and you are not a believer, I want to invite you uh, to, to repent and to turn away from your sin. That's what repent means. It means to, to turn away, to have a change of mind, to have a change of heart, uh, to turn away from your disobedience to God and then turn to God 
in complete obedience and trust and faith in him. Because this is what Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection purchased for you. A life of obedience and trust in him. And so don't delay any longer on giving your life over to him. If you do not, as the scriptures are clear, as you heard from us reading Genesis 3 earlier in the service, is that we have fallen and we have sinned against God. You have. I have. And we deserve, because of our sin, God's righteous wrath due to sinners. And so, in God's mercy, he sent his son Jesus to live and to die and to rise in your place. Trust him. Look to him and live there. So Jonah disobeys the Lord's word, which leads to my second point this morning. The Lord responds with his wrath. The Lord responds with his wrath. Look back with me at verse four. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. So notice that the Lord doesn't coddle us in our disobedience. No, as we see here, he will respond with his wrath. And rightly so. Because he's holy. And he uh, doesn't coddle with our sin. He um, is a God who uh, has nothing to do with sin. He is light and in him there is no darkness. And so he doesn't yeah, he doesn't um, like it when we sin. He doesn't approve of our sin. And none of us can withstand the Lord's wrath. So the text says he hurls, which means he threw a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest, which is a violent, windy storm, the word tempest means, on the sea. So this was no regular storm. <laughs> this was a violent storm, even to the point, as the text says, it was on the verge of destroying the whole ship. So remember, Jonah disobeyed God and is trying to run away from him, only to find that this is an impossible task. I'm reminded here of Psalm 139, verses 7 through 9, where it says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. And so Jonah tries to run from God. And what does God do? He responds with his power. <laughs> he responds with his wrath because he is the God of creation. And he has so much arsenal at his fingertips that he can do what he pleases. He can throw whatever he desires at us to reach us, to grab hold of us. And so in response, uh, what happens in verse 5 to the mariners? Well, they're afraid. They respond with fear, as the text says. And they become desperate by crying out to their false gods. So they're afraid and they're desperate. They call out to their false gods, gods who are non-existent and won't be able to save them from the hand of Almighty God. And 
They are throwing out all the cargo and everything possible to lighten the load, as you see in the middle of verse 5. And where's Jonah when all of this is going down? Where is he? He's asleep. <laughs> Look at the verse with me. Look at the end of verse 5. It says, But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So you mean to tell me the Lord of heaven and earth is pouring out his wrath? And, and, and not fully, I might add, because if God wanted Jonah and the mariners uh, to be taken out, he would take them out. So he, in his mercy, uh, is it, not, uh, yeah, like letting his full wrath be displayed in this moment by taking them completely out. But it seems that Jonah's rebellion and rejection has led to him not caring. He goes and everything is going on. People are going crazy. They're fearing and uh, they're calling out the false gods and he's asleep. So look at how the captain of the ship responds in verse 6. What does he say? He says, what do you mean, you sleeper? <laughs> Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So evidently, everybody else knows <laughs> that they are about to perish. But Jonah is in the ship's sleep, not taking notice to all of what else is happening around him. That because of him, because of his disobedience, because of his sin, he has put the mariners and the captain of the ship um, at risk of losing their lives. So the Lord responds with his wrath here, as we see in verses 4 through 6. And our third and last point this morning is that the Lord is revealed, continuously feared, and worshipped. The Lord is revealed, continuously feared, and worshipped. Look back at verse 7 through 8 with me. As it says, they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So the mariners, right at verse 7, are trying to figure out uh, at whose fault, um, who's at fault for all of the trouble that they are experiencing in this moment. Um, they had already been calling out to their false gods, as we saw in verses 4 through 6. Uh, here in verse 7, they are casting lots. And so casting lots, as Eric Redman says, consisted of tossing rocks of multiple colors. Um, and if a certain color fell towards somebody, or if all the colors but one fell, to, uh, fell toward everybody else, they would say, aha, that's the person whom the gods or the god has picked for what we're asking. So after, you know, they cast their lots, the lot falls on Jonah, and they go into straight in interrogation mode in verse 8, as you see them asking all of these questions, trying to figure out on whose account um, this trouble has come upon them. So look at verse 8, it says, Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And so they go into interrogation mode. And Jonah responds in verse 9, revealing um, who his God really is. So in verse 9, it says here, And he said to them, 
I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So you see right here that Jonah is revealing to the mariners that he serves the Lord, Yahweh, as we even remember from verse 1, uh, the chapter starting out with Yahweh. So this is who Jonah serves, Yahweh. And as he reveals Yahweh, as you remember, the mariners and others were trying to figure out on whose account this evil had come upon them. Now, they have been uh, put up on game <laughs> that it's Jonah and that it's Yahweh who is uh, bringing about this mighty wind and tempest upon the sea. So in verse 10, the men respond with what? Increasing fear. Now, as they know who's responsible for the trouble they're all experiencing and who's bringing it about uh, in verses uh, in verse 11, the men consult with Jonah on a solution for how to best end the raging sea. And Jonah's response is, is, is very interesting. He basically tells them to, to take him out, to, to throw him into the sea. Look at verse 12. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Now, on one end, it seems that Jonah is acknowledging his sin, although he, he doesn't repent or ask for forgiveness uh, from God in this verse. But then on another level, could it be another way that Jonah is trying to further rebel from God or rebel against God? You have to remember that Jonah is running away from God and what he has commissioned him to, to do. He, he may could think that him being thrown into the sea would, would definitely prevent him from having to obey God's initial command to go to Nineveh. So it's, it's, it's very interesting here. He, he basically says, just, just throw me, throw me into the sea. <laughs> and once you do that, I know uh, that things will quiet down for you. But in verse 13, what do the men do? They try to actually save him. They, 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 as it says here, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. So they are trying to save Jonah, and God is, is just hurling more wind and, and, and hurling uh, the mighty tempest upon the sea. But then what happens next is, is even more amazing. In verse 14, they actually cry out to God. They realize that they are unable to, to save Jonah or save themselves. So they cry out to the one who actually can save them, Yahweh, God. So they cry out to him. And then you also see that they don't want to be responsible for Jonah's blood. But in the end, they obey what they believe is pleasing to the Lord. And what is that? Well, it's for them to actually toss him into the sea. And when they do that, what happens? The sea, as it says here, stops from its raging. It ceased from its raging here in verse 15. And then lastly, where this is all headed, 
is that after tossing them, after tossing Jonah, excuse me, into the sea, and the sea ceases from its raging, what do the men do? They worship the Lord. They worship him. Look back at verse 16 with me. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So you see what it says? It says that they, they worship the Lord. Um, it says that they feared the Lord exceedingly. And so this was not the same type of fear that we saw in verses 5 and in verse 10, where they were afraid of God because of the wrath that was being poured out. No, in, in, in this case, it turned into reverential uh, obedience. They revered the Lord. They feared him. And so it also says they offered sacrifice and they made vows, which is like promises to the Lord. Um, and essentially they worship him. So as you remember, these were the same mariners who were crying out to their false gods earlier in the chapter. And now they have been revealed the true God and now they worship him. So God grants them uh, repentance and, and, and faith here, as we see, and conversion. And it's just an amazing thing to see that the, the, the mariners who cried out to the false gods are now trusting in the true God and worshiping him. And this is what God wants for all of us. He wants us to, to lay down our false idols, to, to lay down our uh, serving of, of false gods and, and worship him, the true God. And so this morning, if I had to leave you with two applications to, to close us, is that it would be this. One, if, if you're a believer, be reminded that God calls you to obey him. Uh, he calls you to obey him in every area of your life. So to, to not obey him is to disobey him. Um, and uh, that's something that we shouldn't do, that, that God doesn't want for us. He wants um, good for us. So when we obey him, um, we are in his presence. We are we are living uh, for his glory and receiving all of the blessings that he graciously grants us. But, but when we sin, uh, sin hurts us. And sin, as we even see here in the story of Jonah, not only affects him, but it affects others. So our sin affects others. And so God wants us to rid ourselves of sin to rid ourselves of disobedience and completely obey him and worship him. And if you're not a believer this morning, my application to you would be this. Believe on the Lord. God's wrath is abiding over your head. And if you die in your sins, the scripture is clear that you will be eternally separated from a God who, who loves you and who 
sent his son Jesus to die for you. And so I want to invite you to, to turn away from your sin and to turn to Christ in faith and believe in this good God. And so as we, as we close now, let me remind us of the points that we walked through this morning. Point number one, Jonah disobeys the Lord's word. Point number two, the Lord reveals, excuse me, the Lord responds with his wrath. And then point number three, the Lord is revealed, feared, and worshiped. Let me pray again. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time to gather um, around your word. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to obey your word. I pray that you would help us to, um, yeah, Lord, to, to not run from you, but run to you and um, seek to uh, yeah, obey every command that you give us. Help us to do that, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.